This is our weekly discussion segment of Radio Salon. Uh, let me introduce our experts first. Chung uh, Huang, he is the uh, independent legal researcher from Law Quant LLC. Hello to you. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Henry. Good morning. And uh, also joining us here for the first time is uh, Jemmy Kim, a uh, notable journalist who you probably know very well as a, a regular TBS EFM listener. Uh, Je- can I call you Jemmy still? Yes. You, you've yes, moved you up so high in, in the, uh, the <laughs> yes, world Henry, of <laughs> corporations and finance. And so thank you for uh, that uh, informal way of addressing each other. Uh, what we're going to discuss today is sort of maybe a, a follow-up of what we discussed yesterday on our program during our editorial segment where um, we had another expert, uh, Professor Song Se-dian, talking about the uh, rebuilding of the Conservative Party uh, and maybe doing away with the far-right elements that have been sort of uh, plaguing the party and maybe hurting his public image. His argument, and to my surprise, was that he felt that you you cannot alienate the far-right elements. You got to envelop them, but try to, at the same time, appeal to the the more centrist uh, voters of of the public uh, to try to build this uh, big coalition. I did not know if that was feasible or not. So we're going to try to discuss that to here today with our two two panelists. To, to panelists here, first of all, in your view, do you do do you feel um, with the main opposition? Uh, what are they called right now? The United uh, Future Party, 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 the UFP. uh, Do you think there needs to be a clear break with that uh, far-right element, uh, the Taeguki, the Cheong Gwanghun, the the YouTuber uh, segment, or do you think that they can kind of (laughs) all still be together? Well, I mean, that's the key juggling act that you have to, you know, ask yourself. Is that possible? I mean, you know, it is not a big surprise that the far-right SNS world is kind of a you know, originator of a lot of useless conspiracy theories right. that has, you know, kind of, you know, pushed the UFP in a very unpredictable manner. So can you still hold on to that elements and, and appeal to the, uh, uh, the you know, so-called you know, central, centrist swing voters? I mean, if, if they can, you know, manage the juggling, yeah, good, good for them. But, you know, it, it, it would be a, you know, a monumental political task, to be, to be sure. And it, there's empirical proof that four straight elections have shown that that centrist group of voters do not like that message of this association with with the far right, at least from the results of the votes. Right? Yeah, I mean, being associated with crazy conspiracy theories is not really appealing to many voters, I'm sure. What about you? Do you feel that there should be a break or do you think there can be a way to, to um, uh, embrace the far right uh, as you try to appeal to these younger 30s and 40s voters who have definitely turned uh, toward mm-hmm. the ruling party? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in my early 40s myself. Yes. I'm going to say early. So um, I also, I mean, in a way, maybe I can represent, you know, what some of the sentiment is like. Um, and I don't know at this point if we can actually say that there's they're going to be breaking away or, you know, they're going to be coming together. But definitely we are seeing uh, Ju Ho-young, who's a floor leader, trying to do his job. Uh, however, you know, and I thought of this this morning as I was um, coming into the parking lot, and I was looking at the signage that said, you know, how many car- there vacant, like you say, uh, thirty-five vacant spots in the lot. Yeah. And I was thinking, like five years ago, I would not have trusted that board because it was never correct. The data was not correct. And I was thinking, like when you think about the Tegaki and the YouTubers and the conspiracies, they come a generate, they come from a generation of people who were taught and trained not to believe data. Because it was never available, never accurate. Okay. It was not reliable. So I'm thinking maybe there is a way to retrain, you know, people because they, I think they do have the right kind of 
thoughts or a thought train. It's just that the way they express it is really outdated and perhaps too extreme. So I'm thinking, you know, we have AI, big data, so much stuff going on, scientific stuff going on. And people in their 30s and 40s want that in their lives and they want to believe the data. So I'm thinking perhaps there is a chance of, um, you know, I'm not going to say repent, but maybe some chance for change. Do you think you see signs of that change? Uh, There are some internal party struggles here going on with the back and forth with uh, some of the more, um, I guess we can call them moderate elements of the party now, Chu Ho-young, who never was really considered a moderate, but he has a softer tone. Uh, He he apologized for some of the hurtful comments made last year by some of the members of his party uh, in regards to smearing um, the uh, the movement, the the members of the the Gwangju democratization movement's talking about uh, North Korean infiltration and all that. Uh, but th- there was no apology from the actual people who, who made these comments. Um, so I-, I wonder how much that goes a long ways towards healing. Yeah, I mean, uh, at least he wasn't pelted with you know, water bottles when he right, when Chuhu right. visited Gwangju. And that in itself was kind of reported widely in the media. I mean, you know, so surprise, surprise, the, uh, the, the, the incoming floor leader of the opposition party visits Gwangju and he's not pelted with water and that's the news. That's kind of the state of UFP. I mean, I, I, it is really unclear whether it's really going to be sort of his personal, uh, his and, you know, kind of, kind of group, group of lawmakers that he is part of is kind of their own agenda or whether it would be actually, a, you know, kind of a grand transformation of the UFP. It's, it's not really clear. I mean, still there. There's a struggle within the party about who who is going to be the next uh, in the next leadership and how long that's going to take and how much power that that uh, that, that is going to have. And I think we are going to see this kind of struggle, you know, for mm-hmm. the next few months to shape up. Yeah, and so I, I, just because uh, Jamie, you you mentioned the point that you mm-hmm. you think you see a way uh, because you feel some um, elements of their message is something that could appeal. You mentioned you're in that group. I'm in that group too. Yeah. I'm in the 40s. I'll say mid 40s so that I can say that uh, you're you're much younger than me. But uh, as a member of that 30s 40s group, as you well know, that demographic we have mm-hmm. become by far now the most ardent supporters of right. the ruling party and and uh, this sort of center left mm-hmm. coalition. And so um, you and I come at it this at this uh, with different perspectives. But as me, as a member of that uh, 40s group, I see the Taeguki protesters. I see what uh, this uh, Chung Gwang-hun minister mm-hmm. is saying about uh, the president. I see what the YouTubers are talking about with mm-hmm. conspiracy theories. I see what uh, Min Kyung-wook is continuously claiming with mm-hmm. election fraud. And that totally turns people like me off. And you, you mm-hmm. kind of wonder if, if they are still associated with this uh, UFP party, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't see how members of our age group conti- would, would even consider voting for them. You know, you're absolutely right. And it kind of turned me off as well. And you know at me to be um, pretty much of a conservative. But right now, yeah. I'm not sure if um, that's something I want to be associated with. And what I, what I mean is that You know, when you look at the ratings right now, I believe uh, the opposition probably has around less than 30% in terms of ratings. Now, it does mean that there could be a a core in what the conservatives believe in, even the far right. There could be something fundamental that can still be saved, salvaged. But having said that, and I think a lot of, in the opinion of uh, many people, again, the 30s and 40s, who are used to, again, the data and seeing, you know, more moderate ways of lifestyle, I believe that the the UFP, they lack strategy, they they lack tactics, they lack experts, they don't know what image making is about. And all of this is actually a part of the package. And, uh, you know, myself personally, um, in my district, 
district. Um, I believe he was a lawyer from Kim and Jung, and he was the one who was from Kim Hangyu. Yes. Okay. And uh, he didn't get voted. Uh, which was not surprising, I guess, but he still did uh, get a lot of votes. And I thought it was really refreshing that they would get a a young guy who had that kind of background and he was still rooting for the ruling party. You know, he was out there for that. And I thought, you know, come on, that's what you have to do. You cannot get Kim Jong-in to represent this party any longer. Even if he's not the floor leader, everybody knows that he's at the back of things. So come on, you know, do an image Like, get a makeover. I think that's one of the biggest things that we want. I haven't seen you in a number of years, Jemmy, and uh, I'm I'm a little surprised at your more moderate tone here. I thought we were going to have much more exciting kind of uh, uh, (laughs) fireworks with the discussion. But uh, here you are praising the uh, ruling party for fielding uh, Kim Ang-yu, who was a candidate, uh, a member of the elite so-called Harvard graduate, uh, ran in that district. Very difficult because it's all... Let, let's let's just say it out loud. It, it's the Tower Palace district, and so it's very difficult to actually come in face-to-face contact with yeah. the voters. And there was a lot of media attention to him, so they thought that there might be a closer race. He mm-hmm. actually got the lowest percentage That's out true. of all the mm-hmm. uh, ruling party candidates uh, in the Seoul area. So that really means mm-hmm. that that area, at least, mm-hmm. it's, never, it's not going to change anytime mm-hmm. soon, despite the attractiveness of the ruling party candidate. Mm-hmm. In your view, you, you, I, I saw in your notes... Um, Mr. Huang, that uh, you said, why do we even have to care about this, right? About the uh, UFP struggles. Um, <laughs> I and, mean, it's, and the, it's and an interesting saying, political drama, but at the same time, they don't, uh, you know, in the incoming National Assembly, they don't have the votes to block anything. So, in some sense, you know, they're kind of irrelevant for the next four years in terms of legislative process. And what is, in, you know, what might be just interesting is, you know, how the drama plays out to, you know, determine who their nominee is going to be for the presidential election in two years. That might actually be the only drama that will be going on. There are probably are two reasons why people might care about it. Uh, one would be uh, this high-minded idealistic vision that we need a strong opposition so that uh, the ruling party can at least be put in check with not going too far in some kind of uh, uh, strange direction that might not be beneficial for the public. So that's one, one kind of high-minded uh, ideal. The other uh, Um, idea of caring about this is sort of just basically schadenfreude, like kind of this idea, if you don't like this group, it's just fight, 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 and and, and like to see a train wreck occur. You're right, though. Um, If you have 180 seats, you can pretty much do anything you want in the National Assembly. You can take over every single committee, every subcommittee in the National Assembly, and you can uh, push through anything even without fast track Uh, short of constitutional revision. And so uh, that that is going to come with its own, I I guess, uh, pitfalls as well. Yeah, I mean, if you turn the story around, I mean, you mentioned the 180. And, you know, another news is that the Minju Party actually lost 180 because, you know, they have expelled and, you know, three members already for various scandals. And on the fourth member, Yoon Myung, has been now being on news for for a while and she'll be on news for some time uh, going forward. I mean, it looks like there might be be a National Assembly hearing on this as well. So, you know, the, the, the fact that, it, and of course, even though they only have uh, secured 177 as of now, they would, uh, you know, the, the Minju Party will have no, no problem getting 180 votes given that there are other liberal no, 
three from the Uri Minju. There's exactly. six from the, uh, the Justice Party. So. And there's one member who's uh, unaffiliated, but he said he's going to join the Minju Party as soon as he came from the Ho- Honam region. Yeah. So, you know, getting over the 180 is not the problem, but the kind of sim- symbolism of having gotten 180 and losing those three seats even okay. before the National Assembly began. I mean, you know, it's not like the, the, everything is rosy with the Minju Party at the moment. Too. Right, right. Uh, and uh, there is going to be now a, a little bit of uh, in- increased scrutiny, and, and we're going to see that uh, there's kind of this one big bogeyman, and that would be the ruling party. And already with the, uh, the media coverage, is is kind of picking apart these certain allegations, like you mentioned with the uh, lawmaker elect uh, Yoon, whether um, founded or not, uh, there is going to be uh, kind of, I guess, a look at. Uh, They're not the underdogs anymore. Uh, The underdogs are the UFP. Do you feel that there's a benefit, though, in the sense that um, the uh, so-called – pretty much most of the uh, so-called mangmal or the loudmouth politicians basically lost their elections, whether it's Min Kyung-wook, who's still fighting Mm -hmm. for it, which we can talk about later, but Na Kyung-won, other um, kind of Kim Jin-tae, these lawmakers who were known for their very uh, loud – controversial, kind of Mm -hmm. almost sometimes even vulgar statements, that does sort of first send a message from the voter saying we don't like that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. But second of all, it prevents the party from even kind of um, generating that kind of controversy anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that makmal, that kind of language is, again, that's what alienates the public. And it's amazing that the party, the UFP leaders especially, they, again, they don't believe the data when people say we don't want to see this kind of language anymore. The, ex- the leaders there, they say, you know, this is what the people really want to hear. But they're just, they're uh, basing that on their own opinions. And that's basically the opinions are coming from the echo chamber. That is the UFP. So I think that's a real, that's one of the real issues. And, you know, I'm not a political expert, but maybe I can represent some of the, the you know, less pe- people who are not as educated in terms of, um, you know, po- political issues such as myself. But I do believe that, you know, you have to do away with the, the things that have been, you know, for instance, the konde muna, that the konde culture that we keep talking about. And I do remember an interview that Lee Jun-suk, who's one of the younger UFP representatives, he's uh, 35 years old. I remember an interview that he was doing with the media and he said, you know, within the party, there is too much hierarchy and uh, there's too mu- there's less equality. And when you look at the UFP, less than 10% are women. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have any diversity at all. It's still the old school, the, the older guys who are just, you know, ruling everything, dominating everything. And I honestly believe that has to change in order for that, the mangmar and everything, you know, the vulgar language, it all comes from that. That culture itself from US, UFP has to change. And I say this because I do, deep inside myself, I do kind of root for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that has to change. That fundamental, uh, the thinking of the party and towards the people has to change. Right. But it's hard when the loudest voices are the, the YouTubers who they have a million <laughs> subscribers and then all of those subscribers are subscribed to the other channels, right? Whether it's yeah. Penn and Mike or uh, Shinansu or mm-hmm. Kazaya. They're, they're, they're all the same people, but they're so loud. And those same million subscribers are clicking all of the videos. And so there's this idea, this echo chamber that... Oh my gosh, this is the real kind yeah. of sentiment of what the party is. So we have to move this direction. Mm-hmm. And it was found in this general election that uh, that was actually a very small minority voice, exactly. but it was effective in kind of pushing the party in a way that was not appealing. Would, wouldn't you agree? I agree. Absolutely. And uh, that has to change. But I don't know if that has to, if we need a new leadership for that. But I mean, I'm sure we would need a new leadership for that. But you're absolutely right that that has played a big role in the defeat of the UFP.
let's go under the premise because we're all in that same group, right? That 40s group that, that we're talking about. Uh, let's, let's go on the premise that you're a centrist. And, and you're a guy that uh, could be open-minded to, to looking at them um, at the UFP for, for a future vote, uh, presidential election, who, who knows? We don't see any candidate right now that uh, could emerge. But uh, what would you say that the party would need to do to even be considered to, to kind of be more appealing to, to a centrist? Would you say that, because I, I, I know, remember in the past, in our past interviews, you've talked about um, a guy like Yu Seung-min, who was a very kind of uh, econo- uh, you know, a trained economist, uh, uh, very conservative, kind of just by the line conservative, but all of a sudden has now kind of has, has this image as this very centrist, moderate uh, type of person, really due to the fact of his dispute early on with the Park Geun-hye administration and, and his ouster from sort of being part of the power structure there. Do you think more people like him and Yi Jun-suk and, and And uh, I don't know even if uh, Kim Jong-un coming in would, would save the day. But is that the movement that you think you would see that would be more appealing to centrists? I mean, I'm not even sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Yu Seung-min and Yi Jun-suk famously had, you know, late term and a dispute with the Park Geun-hye administration. But remember, they are the ones who actually got the Park Geun-hye elected in the first place. They're, you know, one of the, I mean, Yu Seung-min, for, you know, he was the uh, chief of staff for Park Geun-hye for, for a long time. So without, you know, wholesale changeover of the people, you know, you just complete makeover. Uh, I mean, just changing the rhetoric, I'm not really sure, will really sway the people. I mean, yeah, is the makeover going to sufficiently hide, hide uh, you know, what is actually the essence? I guess, you know, you can ask what the essence is. And I think also another uh, the pickle in the UFP's case is that can you afford to lose the votes of those people who actually click on, you know, maniacally that's, that's to my, the yeah, SNS channels, the, the various SNS channels that you mentioned? I mean, hmm. Uh, precisely, we saw you know people like Cho Won-jin and uh, you know kind of abandoning the party and setting up his own party, thinking that hey, I could be a power broker by sort of coalescing those really extreme elements, and that that alone could be a you know fairly big player within just inside the conservative circles. So that's going to be the pickle that UFP finds itself in. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you that because uh, you, you mentioned data and how the old people don't believe the data and uh, they don't believe the facts and empirical evidence and scientific method and all that, but Uh, it does seem to show, uh, even through, if we remember the Park Geun-hye impeachment mm-hmm. and, and all of the millions going out to the streets uh, in the candlelight rallies uh, and the support for impeachment, mm-hmm. that was always consistently right around 80%, I think if you remember. Mm-hmm. That meant that 20% of the population did not approve of this. And if we see the Taegukki rallies mm-hmm. and, and the people coming out and, and uh, posting on uh, Naver or posting on YouTube or clicking on these extreme far right, it's a very consistent percentage numbers. I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go as far as say it's all 20% of the population, but there is certainly over 10% of the population that are ardent, hardcore, um, maybe adhering to mm-hmm. what you call Right, the anarchistic uh, sort of uh, old yeah. style of of uh, talk or or um, mm-hmm. attitude. That is math, and if you don't have those people, mm-hmm. how is the UFP going to build a big enough coalition mm-hmm. to to get a majority support without that 15% of the population, mm-hmm. um, unless they become a completely just centrist, moderate party and do away with that and then see an arrival like mm-hmm. um, Mr. Huang was saying, a Zhou Wenjin type of organization come up and, and uh, be sort of that alternative. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a dilemma. I mean, not a bit of a dilemma. It's a huge dilemma, actually, <laughs> because, you know, um, are you going to go back to your roots? And are you also going to try and figure out who your target is? You know, because, you know, that's the only way it works in politics. However, um, I mean, I'm not sure if they have to go to a centrist or moderate policies, but 
perhaps they do need to change and they need to, need to consider the alternatives instead of um, only thinking about their roots. Because as Professor Huang mentioned, nobody even knows what their essence is anymore. I mean, what do you believe in? What are your fundamental thoughts? I mean, everybody is a YouTuber right now. You know, everybody has their own channel. So we can't block these people from having their own voice. But I do believe it has to come from the leadership. It has to start yeah. somewhere. And they have to figure that out. I, as a side note, I always thought that you, if you had your own YouTube channel, it would kind of be really uh, popular <laughs> because, uh, you, you know, you're, you're youngish, you're, you're female, and then you could have that nice, strong kind of conservative voice. But hearing you now with these softer, more kind of moderate tones, it's, ah, it's, not, sad, as, Henry. it's not as exciting <laughs> as it was in the past, Jemmy. But uh, things change. Uh, people get older. And uh, I guess... Uh, I actually met a lot of startup uh, startup CEOs and founders when I was covering that beat. And uh-huh. I think that's the reason, part of the reason why I kind of... came to change a little right, bit. Right, right. I was yeah. hoping for like a, uh, a female English-speaking <laughs> Chon w o n c h e k person here in the studio today, but uh, uh, we, have a, we have a very nice lady here. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> so, to disappoint you guys. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about then moving forward. What, do you see any glimmers of hope in the sense that at least um, the, the KEPA, the, the factional elements of the party, seem to have been gone away? There doesn't seem to be any more strong pro-park faction in the party as it currently configured right now with the 84 constituency seats and then these so-called 19 um, uh, proportional representation seats that at least they could find a unified voice? Do you think they're still inevitably going to have some kind of factional feud? I mean, my personal view is that whatever feud they have is probably going to be immaterial until uh, eventually they have to coalesce around a nominee for the presidential election. So that will be the, the real game. I think the real game is just waiting for the Moon administration and the ruling Minjoo party to fail. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, uh, kind of a cynical way of look at, looking at it. But, uh, you know, Moon administration faces a huge task. No one, no one really knows what the optimal policy is going to be facing COVID-19 for the next two years going forward. And there will be plenty of, you know, policy failures and probably setbacks and as well. And there will be many ways for the UFP to say, you know, hey, these are the things that the Moon administration did uh, did badly. And it might actually resonate with people, not by putting out a positive message, but putting out a negative message. So you're saying that their their best strategy might be just Hoping for a failure that uh, could... uh, And that failure has a fairly large probability, given the kind of large uncertainty we face in this world with COVID-19. Yeah, and that's somewhat sad and disappointing that that would be the only way. But uh, I think the point was made yesterday that the ruling party also was for 10 years in the wilderness, right? From the 2008 Mm -hmm. uh, general elections where they only won about 80 some odd seats and then uh, were basically out of power for quite a while until the 2016 general elections when the the ruling side just imploded with this whole pro-park dispute about Mm -hmm. kind of purging their uh, people. Is that really, do you think, the only strategy going forward? Maybe not the only strategy, but you know, one another another thing that I think I can add is that uh, the business sector, the corporations, um, they probably have they're having a hard time, not just due to coronavirus, yeah. but a lot of things. And I think the policies that the m u n a s ministry, yeah, it comes up with. That's going to be another big factor. All right. Well, this was a very civilized and measured discussion. Uh, Thank you for that very much, Jemmy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Henry. Thank you as well, Mr. Huang.